Welcome to Your Province, Your Premier. I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator. The show is being broadcast on 770 CHQR right here in Calgary and in Edmonton on 630 Ched. Now, we have, we're on hiatus last week. We're on uh, summer hours. So the show is going to be broadcast every other Saturday morning at this time. And I'll be speaking with Premier Jason Kenney about some of the issues of the day. This, again, is your opportunity to ask questions of the Premier, to voice concerns or raise any issues you feel need to be addressed, whatever's on your mind. You can speak with the Premier one-on-one. Just remember, keep it short, keep it respectful, be patient. We do get a lot of calls and texts. And speaking of those text lines, please try to keep those short as well because uh, I really don't have time to go into uh, a, a little miniature novel to, to read on the air. So try to keep those uh, as short and we'll uh, try to get to you as best we can. Premier Kenny wants to hear from you. You can call or text in Calgary, 403-974-8255. In Edmonton, the number is 780-496-0063. And across the province, 1-800-563-7770. Premier Kenny, welcome to the show. Oh, sorry. Good to be back, Wayne. Thank you. Yes. Well, let's. Uh, there, boy, there's lots of stuff happening. Uh, you know, despite the fact that we're on our, our summer hours, uh, October sixth has now been set for the provincial leadership election. With MP Michelle Remper, Rempel Gardner reportedly considering a run at the top post as well. So that's uh, eight plus possibly one more. A couple of questions uh, stemming from all these announcements. Some discussion on the Shea Ganim show earlier this week. I believe that. Politics in general have become too polarized and that right here in Alberta, UCP candidates raised a specter of an NDP government as the reason why they should be elected. Callers uh, to Shea's show said candidates should be delivering a much stronger, more specific election platform of what they plan to do and how they plan to do it. Instead, it's become all about how to keep the NDP out of power. Now, I just want to go back and say that the same politician who stated that politics is a blood sport also famously said, and I paraphrase, paraphrase here, if you haven't got a program, a boogeyman will do. Now, what's your response to that? Who was that, by the way? Uh, oh, gosh, I forgot. It was, uh, I think it was Benjamin Disraeli. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> Wayne, uh, look, I'm not going to get into commenting on the UCP leadership election because uh, it it's not my, I should not be interfering at all in that, of course. My job is focused on uh, continuing the progress that Alberta is making. Uh, you know, we had the, one of the strongest jobs records in our uh, history last month, uh, 27,000 net new jobs created, and <clears throat> every day more, more good economic news. At the same time, Albertans are struggling with the cost of living, inflation, the cost of gas, energy. Those are the issues that I'm focused on. Uh, I, I guess my general advice to, to people, conservatives or otherwise, is to address the... the the priorities of most regular people and uh, don't, you know, I, I would, I, I don't think any party that goes into ideological corners uh, is going to be rewarded at election time. So what we're, I can tell you what the government of Alberta is focused on uh, is uh, jobs and growth and helping people cope right now with the cost of living. Okay. Now, I want to switch gears and move into a bit of a sports angle here before we kick off the phone calls. Some Edmontonians in a a state of disbelief after the city was passed over on Thursday as one of the Canadian host cities for the 2026 FIFA World Cup. Some believe it's because the province was too late offering its support. Uh, your, Your response? 
Well, well, that's ridiculous. In fact, we're the only province that uh, g- gave a c- guarantee of financial support, $110 million worth. Uh, Ontario and, uh, sorry, Toronto and Vancouver were selected as host cities, and neither of those governments came forward with those commitments. Uh, so we indicated our support in principle from the beginning. We had to work through certain issues. Uh, but, Wayne, you, you don't write a blank check on taxpayers, and uh, it's a lot of money. And so we needed to uh, work through the proposal, and uh, as did the federal government. Um, and, and that's exactly what we did. But we made a commitment months ago uh, in writing uh, to support it, unlike those other two provincial governments. So I, I think that is a complete, that's just a partisan, I think that's just nothing but partisanship coming from some critics. Um, we were closely with the city of Edmonton and the bid committee. I remember attending the uh, FIFA exhibition match in Edmonton uh, in the winter uh, just to su- demonstrate in person our support. Our Minister of Culture, Ron Orr, was very engaged, as were our officials working with both the city of Edmonton and the federal uh, government. But once again, big international sporting events, uh, there's a policy framework. Both the feds and the province had that, and we had to work through that. All right. Now, the bigger issue. Formula One driver Sebastian Vettel showed up at the Montreal Grand Prix wearing an anti-oil sands t-shirt. His comments afterward clearly indicated this guy doesn't have a clue about the oil sands. And our Energy Minister, Sonia Savage, was quick to criticize that. My question to you is, what's it going to take for the rest of the world to appreciate what's actually happening at the oil sands? Well, you would think uh, high energy prices would. I mean, this is like the... uh, the criticism of the Canadian oil sands is has always been filled with a high level of hypocrisy, but this takes the cake. For a uh, F1 a race car driver, I mean, this guy has a carbon footprint the yeah. size of, of, of some third world countries. Yeah, I mean, the epitome guy, of hypocrisy. For a living, all he does is is to burn carbon for no no useful purpose, but just for kicks and entertainment. Uh, and, and apparently he's saying that he'd prefer that his F1 car be fueled by OPEC dictator sh- fuel, by Russian dictator energy that's fueling the Putin war machine, as opposed to coming from uh, transparently operated, publicly traded companies in a liberal democracy with the highest human rights, labor, and environmental standards on earth. I, I mean, this. but you know, the F1 crowd um, tend to be, uh, the, the, I don't mean the people who watch it on TV, but the people who actually go to these events and participate in this sport, they tend to be millionaires and billionaires. And they're, you know, they're kind of like the, the Davos set the, that fly in on their private and corporate jets to Switzerland to lecture the rest of us about how we should be consuming less energy. Energy. I, I I don't know about you, but I think I certainly I think most Albertans are sick and tired of that hypocrisy. Uh, and if people would like to see a good rebuttal, the Canadian Energy Centre did an excellent job on social media yesterday responding with facts uh, to that guy's um, misinformed and hypocritical position. Absolutely. All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, we're going to start with Ron. Ron called in before the show even started, Mr. Kenny. So we're going to go to him first. All right. Ron's calling from Bonus. Uh, go ahead, Ron. Uh, guten Morgen, Premier Kenny. Good morning. Jason, you're the first conservative premier to be first elected by the citizens of Alberta since Peter Lougheed. The other six were appointed by the party, and some were elected premier by the people at the next election. Those conservative premiers who became premier by appointment by the party since Peter Lougheed include... Don Getty, Ralph Klein, Ed Stelmack, Ellison Redford, Dave Hancock, and Jim Prentice. 
And now UCP will appoint another premier to office in October. Some democracy, eh? What's going on with conservatives in Alberta? <laughs> well, Ron, you are a, a, a real Alberta historian there. I, I hadn't thought about that, It's, but I think you're right. Um, that's an interesting observation. Um, uh, you know, <clears throat> as I said, um, I, I did. not only did we win in 2019 a, a large mandate, but it was the largest mandate in absolute votes in Alberta political history, 1.1 million votes, first time ever a party had won over a million votes on very high turnout. Uh, and uh, that was for a brand new party, and I think that was a strong endorsement of our positive uh, plan for getting the province on track, and we have got the province on track. Uh, but, Ron, what's going on? Well, it, we know that there's been a history of division in the conservative movement in Alberta. Uh, it started um, really uh, about 12 or 15 years ago. Um, and uh, I, I hope that um, uh, members of my party will remember that uh, united we can win, divided we will lose. Uh, that is a consistent message. And um, I, uh, I, I just... I, but I think you make another decent point here, which is... Um, you know, when you have a, a government with a mandate of over a million votes, uh, I, I think we, in the future, the party should look at whether that can be uh, reversed effectively uh, by a relatively small number of people, in this case, 16,000 people who sign up to a party. But that's for somebody, that's for the members in the future to contemplate, not for me. All right. One uh, text message before we go to break. This one from Kevin in Edmonton. He says, good morning. Since this election is a party election and not a provincial election, do the candidates who are already in government get their paycheck? Uh, we, yes, yes and no. Uh, I've asked that anybody who is in cabinet that runs must step aside. And technically, that means they're no longer in the government. So that's the no part. Uh, but the yes part is is several of the candidates, I believe, are, are MLAs, and so they continue to work as MLAs, and I believe that they're they're receiving their 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 paycheck as as MLAs. All right. So I mean that's that's uh, that is the convention that you have elected officials running for office that, that would continue to to do both jobs. All right. We're going to pause for that break. I am Wayne Nelson. I'll be back with Premier Jason Kenney and more of your calls and texts when we return on your province, your premier. Welcome back. Your province, your premier airs every other Saturday morning at this time from 10 until 11 throughout Alberta for the summer. We are on summer hours, so every other Saturday here in Calgary on 770 CHQR and in Edmonton on 630 Chet. I'm Wayne Nelson, and this is your opportunity to voice your concerns, address issues you feel are important to speak with the premier one-on-one. -on -one. You can call us in Calgary or phone or text 403-974-8255. In Edmonton, the number is 780-496-0063. Elsewhere throughout the province, 1-800-563-7770. All right, let's get right to the phones, and we're going to speak with Justine from Edmonton. Go ahead, Justine. You're on with Premier Kenny. Good morning, Premier. Uh, thank you for your service to this province. My question is a very simple one. What will you miss most when you're not Premier after the 6th of October, after the leadership election? Hmm, Justin, good question. Um, I, I think I'll, I'll miss most... Uh, well, let me think. I think just honestly, uh, in this job, you get the privilege of getting to know a lot of people from a huge back, range of backgrounds, diverse backgrounds, and uh, regular people uh, hearing the challenges that they face in ordinary life and their successes. 
And, and for me, that's always been the most re- rewarding part of being in political life. Uh, I, I love, I mean, I love debates in the legislature and things like that. But um, the, the the number of people I've gotten to meet and get to know, the friendships I've developed, uh, that that will be the most enduring part, I think, for me. All right. Back to the text line. This one from, uh, I don't have a name, uh, from Calgary. I would like to know what can be done to fix our blood services. We are waiting weeks to get a simple blood test done. We've had to drive way out of time, uh, way out of town to get a timely test. Now you could pay an associate of a company $50 to come to your home for a test with no wait time. This is unbelievable. Cutback service on one side to open the door to a side company. What can be done about this? Well, well, services have not been cut back. In fact, uh, services have been expanded pretty much across the spectrum in uh, healthcare in Alberta. We're spending about $2 billion more under this government than the NDP. We're spending more on health than ever before. Uh, we uh, are one of the most expensive health systems in Canada. Canada has one of the most expensive publicly insured systems in the world. Uh, we have uh, hired an additional, I think it's 1,800 nurses. We have 100 more doctors in El- working in Alberta now than a year ago. Um, and and so so now the truth is, is that COVID uh, did create disruption in the system and backlogs in ver- various areas, including lab services, uh, that they're catching up on. And um, and so, uh, but I, I, you know, I've I think there's always been a role for for the private sector to play uh, in providing uh, ancillary services, additional services. Um, and if if we can get more things done that way. Uh, that is publicly insured, that means shorter wait lists and faster service. I think that, in principle, is a good thing. All right. For Sherry is calling from Leduc. Uh, Sherry, you are on with uh, Premier Kenny. Go ahead. Okay. Hello, uh, Mr. Kenny. Hello, Sherry. Uh, I've been meaning to talk to you for quite some time. Um, back in 2016, I met with your uh, then... then uh, former Justice Minister of the Opposition, Mr. Mike Ellis, okay. regarding the decriminalization of impaired driving. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was told under no way, because the NDP were proposing that, would a UCP government even even consider that. Then in June 2020, I met with Justice Minister Doug Schweitzer, because the change was coming. It was, it was uh, told to me that they that was being considered, and of course, it did happen. Can you tell me why, and except for maybe a possible financial, economical model, why you would do such a thing? Well, thank you, Sherry. Uh, we had closely observed the experience in the in British Columbia, which several years ago began handling. Um, certain DUI cases administratively, uh, and w- which basically uh, says that you th- they issue automatically a, a very stiff uh, fine, and obviously put that record on your driver's license. Obviously, if you have uh, repeat DUI violations, uh, they seize your car. I don't know the exact uh, parameters for that, uh, but they seize your. They'll cancel your license and seize your vehicle, and uh, that that continues to be the case. But, uh, Sherry, we ended up uh, inheriting from the NDP a huge backlog in the courts, an unmanageable backlog of cases. Uh, And um, this meant that a lot of criminals, including 
drunk drivers were getting off scot-free because uh, they their court their cases never made it to court with the long delays and the decision of the Supreme Court in the Jordan decision it basically said that if you if there's an unreasonable delay between the charge and the trial that is uh, a charter violation and so thousands of people facing uh, criminal charges in Alberta were being let go without even coming to trial without any a potential uh, sanction or punishment and uh, so we we had to get on top of that backlog and one uh, clear way of doing so was to move the handling of du of dui charges to an administrative process um and um it, w- it seems to have worked very effectively in british columbia there's been no increase in fact i think in bc they've seen a a slight decrease in the incidence of uh, of drunk driving cases and accidents all right we're going to go Back to the phones. Uh, Sal has been hanging on for some time here. Um, not quite sure what Sal is going to talk about, but we'll find out. Sal, go ahead. You're on with Premier Kenny. Well, thank you all for taking my call. And it's uh, good morning. It's a bit raining outside. Um, I just, my, my main question, just my curiosity to hear your thoughts on just the rise of authoritarianism. And I use the word authoritarianism because... Um, I think this kind of idea of politics becoming more of a cult of personality about the individual is represented on both sides of the political spectrum. So I'm just curious to hear your thoughts of how that kind of change of sorts is happening in Alberta politics. And yeah, just to hear your thoughts on sure that. So. Because, yeah, there's, there's that loss of the, the political messaging, so it's become more about the person. So yeah, thank you. Thank you, Sal. Well, I would say for sure we see authoritarianism in global politics, Vladimir Putin being the poster child for that. But I'm not sure we see that in, in Alberta politics. I mean, after all, I, I'm a, a guy who was elected. Um, first of all, I mean, I we created the United Conservative Party through in a, a profoundly democratic process. I had to go through uh, one leadership election um, negotiate the merger agreement, have that ratified by the members of two legacy parties in a grassroots vote, win another leadership election, win the uh, win a by-election, win the general election um, with uh, 1.1 million votes, the largest ever. And then um, three years later, uh, effectively, I, I, you know, I got only 51% of the vote in a leadership review and so have tendered my resignation um, when a new leader is elected. So I think that's the opposite of authoritarian. I think that is profoundly democratic. And um, and so, uh, you know, I, I share your concern. I don't I don't like leader centric um, politics to the extent that we can avoid it. That's why I never as leader, I never had ads featuring me or, you know, uh, the I never had posters made of myself. I, I kind of cringe at that stuff. I always told my staff not to put photos up of me around the office like t- premiers typically have, things like that. I, I cringe at that. I, you know, one, I think one of the advantages of living in a constitutional monarchy is that we have somebody, in our case, the, the queen, the sovereign, who uh, is beyond uh, above and beyond politics, um, who can be the kind of representative of the state. And I, I always see folks like me who are elected as just being chosen for a period of time to get a job done, period, full stop. All right. So we've been talking about uh, all kinds of, of things today and gas prices have been going through the roof. We've, we've talked about this before. The Alberta government has a, a, uh, a pump rebate program uh, in place, which has helped 
cushioned the blow a little bit. Uh, we've got a, a text message, uh, Premier Kenny, uh, coming on the QR uh, text line. Can the province provide a tax rebate equivalent to the carbon tax to offset the carbon tax? Uh, could you repeat that part? Could the province provide a tax rebate equivalent oh. to the carbon tax to offset the carbon tax? Well, notionally, the federal government is providing a rebate, and uh, this past year was uh, supposedly included on people's tax returns, um, and they'll now be shifting that to a direct payment model for the, what they call their climate, whatever, what do they call it, their climate levy um, uh, rebate scheme. And uh, but the problem with that, so so people are notionally getting a rebate, and and not notionally ninety percent of the revenues collected by the federal carbon tax, which we've always opposed, uh, is sent back in these rebates. The problem is the design of those rebates means that sixty percent of Canadians end up paying more uh, than they get back, and um, you, you know, and small businesses pay into the carbon tax, nonprofits pay into the carbon tax and they don't get a rebate back. So um, this is something we've been trying to negotiate with Ottawa. Uh, That will be up to the next government, hopefully to finalize those negotiations in a way that gets a more equitable rebate scheme back to Albertans. All right. Now, you'd earlier asked me about who made that uh, quote about politics as a blood sport, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it was not Benjamin Disraeli. It was a fellow named Anurin Bevan, who uh, was uh, in the uh, Churchill Ah cabinet an mp in the, in the parliament okay yeah 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 i i guess he had the same kind of stature as john crosby would have had here in canada so, uh, very quotable guy all right let's go back to the phones uh kelly is calling from calgary about uh raises in the day program go ahead kelly hi Hello, kelly. yeah i think you've got the radio on in the background yep. go ahead yeah i do i'm sorry i'll yep. get it you got you got the ten second delay coming through here. Yeah, I got it. Though. Which they have in case someone drops an f bomb, right? right That's Wayne? exactly yes. <laughs> yes. Anyways, premier. Yes, sir. How do you see people um, getting raises like the ones that haven't have been in about four four or five years now? Uh, like just it, generally in the eco- government. Generally in the economy, or do you mean specifically in the government sector? Um, well, in the general sector. Yeah. Listen, that's a really good question. Uh, because, you know, with inflation, we hope to see uh, offsetting growth in wages and salaries. And, and and we are seeing a lot of increases, but it is not, frankly, good enough. It, it, I, I was just briefed yesterday by finance officials that Alberta is lagging Canada in wage growth right now. Mm-hmm. And that really concerns me. Because what we hear from the businesses is their number one issue today is labor and skill shortages. They don't have enough people for the work that's available. They tell us all the time. Um, and so normally that would that scarcity of labor would be re- reflected in uh, wage inflation uh, with them competing with each other by raising wages to hire people, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I expect we'll start to see more of that. On Monday, or on Tuesday night, I'm going to be meeting with the um, Alberta Business Council, which is the top companies in the province. And I'm going to, this will be one of my main messages, which is, I know they're going to come at me about labor and skill shortages. Fine. We're trying to help with that, with training programs and all. But they need to do their part 
um, by uh, showing that wages are keeping up with inflation. Because you're right, uh, like a lot of jobs have seen no increase for several years during the tough years. And then uh, now we're in this very hot economy, in Alberta at least, so we need to see that reflected. And and hopefully the, the market will begin to respond that way. All right. We have a text message now from Edmonton. Question regarding victims of crime and how that program is funded. Uh, The texter said, with the increase in crime, there are increases in the number of victims who need support, whether it's fraud, theft, domestic violence, which has tripled since the onset of COVID, sexual assault. We were supposed to hear what they're doing with VSUs, but it's been delayed three times now. Um, And it goes on a little bit more, but I think, uh, can you ensure that we have fully funded, properly trained staff and advocates in front of Albertans when they deserve us at our best to serve them at their worst. In what area of service? Victims of crime. Yes. Um, yes, we can. And, and we've sig- significantly increased the budget for the Department of Justice and Solicitor General uh, this year. And um, in particular, we've we had platform commitments uh, that we've kept for increasing um, support for victims of, of sexual crimes and exploitation of that nature, women and children. Uh, we provided addi- significant additional funding to the um, alert team, that's the Alberta Law Enforcement Response Team, in particularly for their unit that deals with uh, crimes of that nature. Okay, phones. Daryl has been holding for, boy, the whole time we've been on the show. Uh, Daryl, thank you for calling. You're on with Premier Kenny. Go ahead. Yes, Premier Kenny, I'd like to say thank you for your time in office and all the good things you've done for Alberta. I know it's been difficult doing some of the things when you've got an idiot in Ottawa to work against and you've got people in your own back bench that are stabbing you in the back. Nice to talk to you. You have a great day and I hope you have a great future. By the way, who would you like to see with the Conservative? Well, thank you for your uh, positive comments, sir. I, I, I appreciate that. And um, I am not going to be endorsing anybody that that would be, I think, inappropriate. So I'm just focused on keeping the government uh, on track, focused on things, uh, on fulfilling our commitments, a strong economy, dealing with issues like the um, cost of living, but also continuing to fight for our energy sector and all of those things we've been doing. That's my focus. And uh, I'll let the members of the UCP decide who should be the next leader. A text message from Edmonton. Addiction and mental health, AHS, is in a staffing crisis. Therapist counselors are worn out. We continue to hear about wage rollbacks. How can you justify rollbacks when we cannot keep up? Frontline workers are seeing very complex kids. Most kids... Uh, suicidal, self-harming, violence in the schools is escalating. The job is stressful. Staff are dropping like flies. How can you justify decreasing our pay? Well, I'm not sure whose pay is being decreased. In fact, we have negotiated collective bargaining agreements with a number of, with the majority of public sector unions, including the nurses, the Alberta Union of Public Employees, uh, that have included uh, modest increases in compensation. And that is um, in the context of several years of, of uh, salaries having been frozen. Um, the texter uh, goes on, uh, just a- added on uh, specifically an announcement of an 11% rollback to social workers' pay. Um, 
I am. Uh, I've not seen that announcement. I'm not familiar with that. I so uh, I'm not. I'm not uh, going to doubt the um, the listener, but maybe or the caller. Excuse me, but uh, maybe there is some confusion about that. I'll I'll look into it. Uh, but I will say this: uh, that generally across the public sector, people are getting uh, modest increases. All right. Uh, text message again, uh, Edmonton. Why is Alberta the only province or territory to limit school buses to 90 kilometers an hour when all others are at 100 kilometers or posted speed? I have no idea. That, that's a good question. And I do think I, I heard that the uh, Minister of Transportation was looking at that issue. All right. Uh, Helen is calling from Calgary. Helen, you're on with Premier Kenny. Go ahead. Hi, Premier Kenny. I just want to tell you and thank you for all you have been doing for the province of Alberta. You are just, and the, and how you make everyone feel, at least me feel, so calm and and you just seem to so concerned about everything. And we, we really need to say your thanks to you. You're just a wonderful person. You're going to be missed if you're not going to be our premier. And we, I just love you, okay? Oh, thank you so much, Helen. You just made my day. And, and Wayne, for the record, Helen is not my mom. Okay. <laughs> just, just to be clear. All right. Uh, we, we've had a couple of those calls. Uh, people definitely miss you, that's for sure. Well, I, I, I'm still around here, Wayne. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, you, you, the, the door hasn't quite you hit know, you on the, the way, way out yet, has it? The difficult thing about this period for me, I, I, I just stay focused on my job. The only difficult thing is all the people that come up to me like they're attending my funeral or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, in some ways, that's nice, you know, but uh, in other ways, no, I hear what you're saying. Uh, text message here, a little bit of uh, levity for the show. Can Alberta call the notwithstanding clause on labeling ground beef the beginning of really stupid ideas? <laughs> <laughs> Beauty, let's do it. Uh, and, and let me pick up the serious part of that. The Fed's um, in a classic example of Ottawa idiocy, uh, want to label, uh, put these warning labels on, on Alberta beef. beef. I yeah. guess, what, are they going to be like the cigarette labels or something? Oh, I hope not. And uh, <laughs> um, and, and apparently this is some new international standard, but, par- but governments can exempt certain products from the labeling requirement, and most other governments have exempted their, their meat products. So I think, I, I don't know, going to go out on a limb here and say, do you know that the the uh, the most militant environmentalists, Wayne, they want to shut down the meat industry because they see every animal, every livestock, every um, livestock animal as a they don't see it as a source of food and protein, but as a source of of uh, methane emissions. Uh, yes. And so um, they want to shut down the beef industry. Uh, and, and And, you know, this is probably part of that broader agenda. Interesting text message here from Calgary. Good morning. Uh, Does Mr. Kenny see the irony in his resignation after 51% support, but his replacement only needs 50% plus one (laughs) to succeed the next election? um, I I guess you could look at that ironically, but he's absolutely correct. Uh, I mean, my friend Heather Stephenson in Manitoba is the premier, and she won a leadership election with, uh, I think, 50.1%, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a few months ago. 
And if I had, uh, you know, if I had decided just to resign as leader a few months ago or whatever and call a leadership election, or I could have done that again. I could have put my name back in the hat here and be reelected notionally as leader with 50% plus one vote. And there's a lot of people that are that are asking, well, why didn't you decide to do that? Well, Wayne, I just felt that um, there were some uh, there were some people who have been so focused on um, uh, tearing things down that I didn't want my continued prospective leadership uh, to uh, allow for that those games, those political games, to continue. Uh, they had um, arguably become a distraction for the government and became damaging for the party. Uh, and for me, the province is infinitely more important uh, than my own job. And so I just thought that the cleanest and best way to deal with this and, and hopefully uh, get things, uh, um, bring people back together, uh, is is for me to step aside. Uh, so, you know... That's the, that's the decision I made, uh, and, um, and and I, I just leave it to our, hopefully, the members of the United Conservative Party to make a sound decision about a competent leader in the future. Is the number of funded candidates, those who have uh, who have paid their uh, their fee to run for the leadership, is that indicative of the disunity? I mean, to paraphrase an old TV show, is eight more than enough? <laughs> I mean, would three or four or maybe even five really strong candidates have been better? No, I actually think that a large number of candidates demonstrates a lot of interest and a lot of energy. And and um, confidence that uh, this will be the next government of Alberta. So uh, I, I, I see that one positively. All right. Back to the phones. Ron is calling from Lethbridge. A question on uh, properties for seniors. Go ahead, Ron. Bishop, uh, uh, you're, you're still there? Ron? Yes, I, you're on with, I'm, you're on with I'm Premier still here. Okay. Can you hear me now? We can hear you we now. Can hear you, sir. All right. I'm wondering... Where the seniors never used to have to pay the education tax until Ralph Klein got in. When Ralph Klein got in, he decided we were rich, I guess, and that determined that we were going to have to pay the education tax. Well, we're struggling enough that I think that that education tax should be taken back off and put on the backs of those that are having the children and, and uh, having their children educated like we paid for our children. Hmm. Well, thank you, sir. I, look, uh, I would say that education is a public good. Uh, that, like, I, I don't, I'm, I don't have kids, uh, but I pay property tax, and I don't begrudge that at all. I think it's an essential public service. And um, if we just put all of the burden on parents, that makes life even more expensive for them. And and uh, you know, can I point out we have a bit of a fertility crisis in our society. We've had less than a replacement birth rate for a very long time, and and I would argue one of the reasons is it's hard for families with kids to make ends meet. So more families de delay having kids. They have fewer kids than they used to. Um, and part of that is the tax cost. So I think it would be bad for society if we put all the fiscal pressure for things like education just on, on parents who are already making lots of sacrifices um, uh, to, to for the de deal with the cost of raising kids. All right, Premier Kenny, we're going to pause for a break right now. I am Wayne Nelson. We'll be back to wrap things up in our final segment on Your Province, Your Premier. 
Wayne Nelson back with you as host and moderator of Your Province, Your Premier, broadcast throughout the province every other Saturday morning during the summer from 10 until 11. In Calgary, you can hear it on 770 CHQR and in Edmonton on 630 CHED. If you have something you'd like to bring to the Premier's attention, a specific question you'd like the Premier to answer, this is your opportunity to chat one-on-one. The numbers in Calgary, 403-974-8255. At Edmonton, 780-496-0063. And elsewhere throughout the province, 1-800-563-7770. And we are going to go to elsewhere throughout the province, central Alberta. We're going to start off with uh, Connor calling in from Bashaw, a driving-related question, Mr. Kenny. Go ahead, Connor. You're on the air. Hey, how's it going there, Mr. Premier? Great, thanks, Connor. Hey, uh... I'm a 20-year-old farm kid here, and I had gotten my class one in the uh, fall of 2022, or no, sorry, the early winter of 2022 there, mm-hmm. on the uh, farmer's exemption. And uh, I got it right at the tail end, right before it ended there. And uh, I've got lots of younger relatives in the farming industry and community, and uh, it's a lot of money and time to shovel yeah. out to get a class About. one. Yeah. And and it's uh, that's one of the pressing things I see for the egg industry right now. You're, you're bang on, Connor. We've heard this from uh, all across uh, the province and, and farmers who use, uh, Wayne, a lot of farmers, they need that uh, yeah, the class grain, one so they can take their grain to market yeah. and, and move livestock and things like that, obviously. Uh, so, so, Connor, I know this is frustrating, and we've been uh, working with uh, the Department of Transport to try to speed this up uh, and also I know that many times we've asked if there can be an exemption from the melt requirement for farmers um, and I, I, I'm not exactly sure where that's at right now. Um, Connor, let me um, let me get an update on it. But but that you're you're right. This is a real issue for sure. There's a general shortage of truckers as it is, and and also Wayne, a lot of truckers would make uh, sorry, a lot of farmers make uh, some extra income um, in the winter uh, by driving, and so uh, maybe they can help with the driver shortage. So thank you for raising that, Connor. Yep. Uh, another. I'm going to say a driving-related question. How are the decisions made? This is a text message coming in from Christine uh, from, I believe it's Edmonton. How are the decisions made regarding rural highways as I see roads getting redone that are in good condition, uh, she says the 22, versus ones that are in poor condition, the number 13 west of Wetaskiwin? So I don't know the detailed answer, but I do know there is a longstanding process at the Department of Transportation where they score, uh, they assess and score where the greatest needs exist. And they're constantly monitoring highway quality. Um, This is not based on anecdotes, you know. Uh, It's based on um, uh, data like, uh, I guess, reported accidents, how long it was before a road had been serviced, the, the volume of traffic on it, and, and things like that. So they, they do have, a, I think, a pretty objective um, process for determining which roads are most in need of renewal. Uh, all I can tell you is this, uh, Wayne, in the past few years, and this, I'll, I'll be nonpartisan and include the NDP in this, there's been a significant increase in the overall capital infrastructure budget for the province, basically to provide some kind of counter-cyclical uh, spending during the downturn. And a lot of that has been put into road maintenance. But as I pointed out before, during our, when we were really rich as a province in the Lougheed days, um, uh, that government decided to po- pave our near every secondary road in the province. So we've ended up with more a paved road per capita than anywhere in Canada, and that's very expensive to maintain. All right, a couple questions from the Calgary text line. 
Uh, Premier Kenny, part of the reason you were elected leader was your stance to stand up for Alberta against Ottawa. On nearly every Ottawa challenge, Alberta lost. Given many of the leadership candidates running on a similar platform, what advice do you have for them in relation to dealing with Ottawa? Well, I'm not going to give other candidates uh, advice, but I, I disagree with the statement that we've lost on everything. In fact, we've won on most things. We won on getting uh, a, a letting Alberta regulate industrial emissions, which is a huge multi-billion dollar issue. We won on being able to regulate methane emissions, uh, save the our energy industry sector uh, hundreds of millions of dollars. We won on being able to regulate northern caribou habitat, which could, if the feds had done that, would have shut down um, a third of, of northern Alberta. Uh, we won in, in getting um, a, the lifting the cap on the fiscal stabilization program, which is worth several hundred million dollars uh, to Alberta. Uh, we won on uh, getting um, the, the federal, most importantly, getting the federal government to continue with the TMX uh, construction, which right. is existential for our future. We won at the Alberta Appeal Court on overriding the C69 No More Pipelines law that's going to the federal uh, Supreme Court. And I can tell you, Wayne, here's an update. We've got the majority of Canadian provinces that will be joining us there um, and and a whole lot of other things that we've won on so uh, I would argue that we've our, our, our record in fighting for Alberta has been uh, not a hundred percent successful but but uh, I, I it's been much more successful than not so why is there that perception then uh, premier Kenny that that we do have uh, some some losing uh, arguments well, is that is that because they get the the more media attention and, well, and then the ones that uh, you you follow through on and win uh, to a lesser extent don't, don't get the publicity well a lot of the things I just mentioned are not front page issues. Yeah. They're, they're, they might come across as, as fairly technical issues. And, and frankly, some of those things, you know, I've always said we, we address these issues in two ways. There are those issues where we think we can get some common ground with the feds that we work on kind of diplomatically. And there's, there's others which are just going straight to the wall where it's conflict. The conflict gets a lot more noise and attention, obviously. Uh, but um, could, a successful victories with Ottawa on major economic files uh, typically don't. You know, uh, Wayne, uh, uh, Ralph Klein used to say that political journalists are fight promoters, <laughs> right? There you go. you got to have the headlines. <laughs> yeah. If it bleeds, it leads. And, yeah. you know, getting a technical agreement to protect our heavy industry from federal uh, carbon regulation um yeah, that's kind of hard to translate into a headline. Okay, one text message, then we have uh, probably time for maybe one or two phone calls. Here's the quick text. Is there a plan to do an investigation into the COVID response and both its positive and negative impacts in order to better prepare for future episodes? Yes, there is. And Minister Copping will be making an announcement about that uh, this summer. All right, that was a quick answer. I love it. All right, uh, better than some of my questions. Uh, here's uh, Lauren calling from uh, Breton. Go ahead, Lauren. Good morning, Mr. Premier. I'm just wondering, has there ever been uh, interest in uh, attending to the energy billing gong show here in Alberta? I know that, uh, well, I've lived in all four western provinces, and in one province, the the government controls the whole thing and everybody gets a fair shake. But here we have a multitude of different people billing people for energy. And if you don't watch carefully, people can get gouged because everybody's charging a different price per unit. And uh, if you miss your lock-in date, you can suddenly find yourself uh, with a, a bill that's two, three, four times the price it was the month before. 
is there any chance that there can be some sort of serious regulation of uh, what people pay for energy in Alberta? Because right now it's just all over the place, depending on your luck and choosing who. Sure. Yeah. Well, I would say, thanks, that there is a process. And if you're talking about... um, electricity, everything, all the pricing has to go through uh, the uh, utilities board and uh, gener- the generators have to have their rates approved, the, the the rates have to be approved there. But we do have a competitive marketplace. You're right. People do have to be informed. They do have to shop around and and, and make informed decisions about who they sign up with. But, the, but it, is a, it is a regulated industry. So um, unfair pricing practices or collusion for price fixing or things like that are um, illegal and they are uh, monitored by uh, by our um, utilities regulators. All right. Quick text message now from Edmonton. Mr. Kenny, do you ever foresee the return of family care clinics run by nursing practitioners to help alleviate the pressure on the health care system? I didn't know we had that in the past. Uh, that's very interesting. And uh, I... I totally agree with the idea in principle, which is why we've expanded the scope of practice um, for uh, registered pra- for practical nurses so they can do more of what doctors have been able to do. And I do think that's, an, look, we do have a, a re- not just in Alberta, but across Canada, a, a serious challenge when it comes to primary care. That's like family physicians and, and uh, um, uh, you know, uh, how people initially engage with the healthcare system before they end up in the emergency ward. And I think ex- continuing to expand safely the scope of practice of, of nurses, uh, including through telehealth, so people could do consults with nurses on the phone or online, that makes a lot of sense to take some of the pressure off the system. All right. Premier Kenny, we've run out of time. Thanks for joining us again today. It was a lot of fun. Thanks very much, Wayne. We'll do this hey, again Wayne. in a couple of weeks. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going, I'm going right now to celebrate the uh, anniversary of the Leduc Number 1 strike in 1947, so big moment for Alberta history today. Yeah, and, and, and Alberta energy history as well. Absolutely. Again, we'll do this in a couple uh, couple Saturday mornings. Thanks again. Uh, I'm Wayne Nelson. You've been listening to Your Province, Your Premier.